particularly I would focus on whether that viability line holds. Uh, I suspect it won't because I suspect they will uphold this 16-week law, which is going to push that line significantly earlier in the pregnancy when states can outright ban abortion. Hi there, it's WAMC News Director Ian Pickus. And on this episode of the WAMC News Podcast, my conversation with Professor Stephen Clark of Albany Law School as the Supreme Court prepares to consider Mississippi's 15-week ban on abortion. Thanks for having me. Is it a surprise that the Supreme Court has decided to hear this case? Uh, Not really. Uh, It's maybe a surprise when they agree to pick any certain case, but the fact that they were going to take an abortion case, I think, was was pretty clear to anybody who's followed these things for uh, for a while now. Now that we have a reconstituted court with uh, three new Trump appointees, uh, I think they're probably looking to modify the law on abortion a bit. When you say modify, is it fair to say that Roe v. Wade's days are numbered? Well, uh, I don't know that I would go that far, actually. Uh, the, there is a tendency when these kinds of cases arise to, to think about what's the most catastrophic possibility from the perspective of the pro-choice side, that is, uh, and overruling Roe or some uh, high-profile, uh, massive uh, announcement like that from the court. But, but uh, it's just as likely, I think, that you won't get that out of this case. Uh, I do think they will modify uh, abortion rights and narrow. When I say modify, I mean narrow uh, and allow states to restrict uh, access to abortion in some significant ways. But uh, they may actually leave in place the core principles here. Um, and and it'll be more than tinkering around the edges, though, which is what we've seen in some past cases. I mean, this may significantly scale back, but whether they just outright throw out the entire uh, right uh, of access to abortion, uh, I'm not convinced that we're going to see that happen. And why do you say that? Well, the court has does have a conservative majority now, a sizable uh, 6-3 conservative majority. Uh, they've had several abortion cases in recent years, uh, and some of the members of that conservative majority have been more eager to frontally just take on the entire right of access to abortion itself and call for its overruling than have other members of that conservative majority. Um, now, with the addition of, of, of uh, Justice Coney Barrett in place of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that adds yet one more um, conservative justice to that group, and we don't have, know exactly what she may do in this case, so that's a little bit of a wild card. But in their recent decisions, they have they have relied on what lay people would call technicalities uh, in uh, issuing some fairly narrow rulings and opinions that have avoided directly confronting um, Roe versus Wade. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised either way, honestly, but I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they found a way uh, to resolve this case uh, and probably almost certainly uphold this Mississippi restriction, um, but maybe do it in a way without completely dismantling uh, the entirety of the existing uh, abortion jurisprudence. That's what it looks like some of them have been interested in doing in the recent cases that they've taken. Practically speaking, what might that look like? I think the depending on how they did it, uh, they could, uh, and this is sort of, I suppose, um, um, what's the least bad 
outcome uh, that pro-choice people could look for. Uh, you could have something extremely narrow on technical, really hyper-technical grounds about the particular abortion clinic at issue not being allowed to sue. There's been some argument among these justices about exactly who should be bringing these cases. Should it be the abortion clinic, which it often is in, in abortion challenges, or should it be a woman seeking abortion? They may try to do something with, with kicking out the ability of the clinics themselves to be the ones who sue. Uh, they could go after something that would be more of a loss for the pro-choice side would uh, be if they went after the current rule that says um, a state cannot ban abortion before the point that the fetus becomes viable, that is, could live uh, theoretically at least outside the woman's body on its own. That viability line is, is, is firmly drawn in the law currently. Um, Probably what I would expect is most likely, although it's a little bit like reading tea leaves here, uh, is that they would abandon viability as the line and allow states to ban abortions earlier in the pregnancy than the point of viability. And this Mississippi law kicks in at 16 weeks. And so we're not talking about a law that would ban all access to abortion all the way um, back to the beginning of the first trimester, although that's obviously what the pro-life side would like eventually to achieve. This case seems seems more likely to give them an opportunity to push that line um, earlier where the state can can restrict abortion, which is not a good thing for the pro-choice side by any means, but it's, a, it's less bad than the complete thorough uh, overruling of the entirety of the right, um, the right of access to abortion, which is, I will say, a possibility with this court. But I do think something less than that is probably a little more likely. Going back to the confirmation hearings for President Trump's appointees to the court now making up the the six to three conservative majority, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of Democratic senators were keying into this very question and asking Mm -hmm. about precedent, thinking about Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you alluded to this a moment ago, but um, how does the issue of precedent and, uh, you know, a 50 year ruling play into the calculations that uh, the Supreme Court uh, members will make? Well, they're going to be modifying precedent. I mean, that's if they're if unless they're going to strike this law down, they're going to modify precedent. So they're not going to be fully adhering to precedent. Now, uh, they have done that before in the abortion context. It is true that the right to abortion rests ultimately on Roe versus Wade from 1973, but realistically, the court fundamentally changed the law on the right of access to abortion uh, in the Casey decision. Uh, in 1990, um, 1990, 1991. Um, and that's the test we really go back to today. When you look at the lower court opinion here, they're all arguing about how the Casey rule is applied. And if you look at the previous couple of decisions the Supreme Court's decided on abortion. It's all about how does the Casey rule apply. So Casey's not 50 years old. That doesn't mean it's any less of a precedent, but it it does show that they have been willing to modify their abortion jurisprudence when there is a significant change in the membership of the court. So you had a generation that decided Roe, which was extremely protective of abortion rights. Then you get a later generation led by uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, Anthony Kennedy on the court, who refashioned the rule and made it uh, significantly less protective and gave states much more room to regulate and put, put some barriers in the path of women seeking abortion. But they didn't allow 
outlawing abortion before viability. Well, now we're another generation plus later. We've had significant turnover. Justice O'Connor's no longer there to, pre- to defend her view of this. Justice Kennedy's no longer there to defend his view of this. Um, we, the time is probably right with a new, basically a new court to decide what it wants its rules for abortion to be, which is not to say that as adhering to precedent. It is not. If they adhere to precedent, this law is unconstitutional under both Roe and Casey, uh, at least in my view and in view of the lower courts that have addressed things like this. Um, so I would expect some modification, uh, giving the state even more power to put barriers in the path of women seeking abortions. Particularly, I would focus on whether that viability line holds. Uh, I suspect it won't because I suspect they will uphold this 16-week law, which is going to push that line significantly earlier in the pregnancy when states can outright ban abortion. So uh, just to to wrap up here, um, one of your areas of study is federalism, Uh, perhaps seeing, you know, the the changing winds that you've just been discussing. Several states have taken steps, including New York, by the way, to codify Roe v. Wade within state law and state Mm -hmm. constitutions as a bulwark potentially against the overturning of Roe. if the Supreme Court goes ahead and does what you've just suggested and mm-hmm. uh, sort of finds a, a middle ground here that does change Roe v. Wade uh, to a certain degree, we could have a situation where, you know, different states, maybe even bordering each other, have different guaranteed rights in terms of a woman's, you know, a, a woman's ability to choose. Um, and I don't know, I'm not an expert, of course, but it seems maybe that would uh, get us back to where we were in 1972. That's right. That's right. Let me let me say, I wouldn't call it a middle ground because these are all pretty conservative views. So it's sort of a middle ground among uh, conservatives. Yeah, among the Overton window is like in that. a different pain exactly, here. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly right. Exactly right. But it would kick it back to states. Uh, it conceivably would allow Congress to regulate abortion federally. Um, but more likely you would see states regulate. They already are regulating. There are a number of laws like this already around the country and even more restrictive ones. And this wouldn't be the last word either. This, this, this may just begin a process of their reassessing that ultimately would lead to even more restrictive rulings. It's not, it's not clear what direction they want to go. I'm just not sure they have to go all the way to overruling in this particular case or that they necessarily would. But we would be in a situation where the right would would be different because it would be a state matter. Uh, and so um, people in New York, which has codified basically Roe versus Wade, would have the expansive right from Roe. People in other states would not have any protection uh, if it's left to state law and the legislatures weren't supportive of the abortion right. Um, in that context, I would look particularly for two things. I would look for a push at the federal level to ban abortion nationally. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I would also, however, look for a push to try and restrict the ability of women to cross state lines to get uh, abortions. And that could be attempted either federally or by one's home state to try and make it illegal for you to leave the state to get an abortion. I think that fight would 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 come shortly after uh, the issue gets returned to the states. Well, let's make a date uh, and catch up in a few months when this uh, case goes before the Supreme Court. That's Professor Stephen Clark of Albany Law School. I really appreciate your time and your insights. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Take care. All right. That does it for this episode of the WAMC News Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Ian Pickus.